This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome to the show. Leroy Jenkins. Oh, I knew you were going to do that, Brian. (laughs) I'm Stephanie. You're Brian, of course. Of course. We thank you for joining us. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network at letstalkbitcoin.com. And you can uh, find us and subscribe to us there. And becoming part of almost 6,000 people's lives a week. This is very exciting. I, it's very cool. You know, yeah. I got to hand it to Adam B. Levine from, you know, Let's Talk Bitcoin, founder of Let's Talk Bitcoin and the network and so forth. I have, have been a podcaster since 2009, but I have never been able to do a show that gets 6,000 listeners, no. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassingly. Uh, but, you know, I just needed to find the right partner. So thank you, Adam, for, uh, for the platform and so forth. Absolutely. And we're really excited to be here. You know, speaking of being a part of many people's lives, we got an email from a listener that I wanted to share. And, of course, you can email us at, at uh, show at sexandsciencehour.com. Publius Valerius has been doing some Sex and Science Hour outreach. He I, said, I love this guy. I'm guessing it's a guy. Well, they're anonymous. I don't know yeah. who it is, but uh, yeah. he, they have been knocking on some doors and spreading <laughs> the good word about Sex and Science Hour. We had that ad in like the first four episodes of the show that said, hey, tell your friends about Sex and Science Hour. And we were kind of joking back and forth about, you know, maybe you could like knock on their doors yeah. and tell them the good news and do it on like a Sunday morning. And <laughs> so uh, Publius Valerius said, so I, here's week one. He's been emailing every week <laughs> and telling us about the show outreach. So week one, hello, I took your advice and went out this morning from 8 a.m. until noon going from door to door, maybe 50 doors in all, in some of my finest attire to be known, let it be known how wonderful Sex and Science Hour is. Strangely, while many of the neighbors wanted to have long discussions with me, they all seemed to be about neighborly etiquette, how they were trying to sleep, inquiring that if I, if I didn't have something better to do. <laughs> And not a lot about how glorious your show is. Well, if at first you don't succeed, I hope to have a better update for you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, from 8 to 12. Then week two. He's a trooper. He's been doing it. Week two. So I spent from 8 a.m. until noon again going door to door proclaiming the glory that is Sex and Science Hour. But I was only able to get one person to subscribe. Do you guys have promotional materials like door hangers I can use next week (laughs) for the houses where no one answered? Or should I make my own? I love it. And then week three. Hi, guys. Things did not go as well for me this week. I got yelled at, attacked by a dog, and had a police interaction because apparently they thought I was selling stuff door to door. And you need a permit here to do that, I'm told. But I am not completely discouraged. Yours is a righteous message, one that more (laughs) should hear. I'm hoping next week will get better. You know, to to quote from the Bible, uh, if you believe in sex and science hour, you will be persecuted. I'm sorry. It's just that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. People are going to hate you for your podcast beliefs. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So we love your emails. You know, we've been receiving a lot of listener emails and we're very grateful for that. So, of course, you can email us at show at sexandsciencehour.com. Sometimes we actually talk about them on the show quicker than we like 
literally respond to the email. Oh, which, yeah. I mean, that's kind of funny, right? What, like, if, I guess if you're going to wait a week for a response anyway, you might as well wait a week for another show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's tough to keep up with a lot. I mean, we get a lot of emails and it is definitely tough to respond to to all of those. We do, but we read them and we love them. So yes, thank you absolutely. very much. Please keep them coming. It really makes this very much worth it. <laughs> Great. So, Brian, there were some ig- ignorant statements that were flying around about Bitcoin this week. I don't know if you heard about this, but... Um, the, I don't know. There's so many ignorant statements that go around. I'm not sure which. Well, that's a great point. I mean, uh, yeah, the, if you listen to how the mainstream media covers Bitcoin, it's just... They, they have to... It's almost like they have a couple of high points they have to hit in every time they mention Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? Well, it's a... Uh, shadowy virtual currency. It's used a lot for drug deals and murder for hire. It's very sketchy. Uh, never do they mention, um, you know, that there, there's much more cash drug deals that go on, like oh, yeah. hundreds of orders of magnitude more yeah. <laughs> than bit, with Bitcoin. Uh, but they have to mention like shadowy, oh, um, created by a f- anonymous figure. It's, uh, <laughs> right. you know, they, they just try to make it out to be as uh, as shady as possible, which I mean, if you actually use Bitcoin, you'll realize it's really not that shady. No, not at all. And in fact, you know, it's almost annoying, though, because even when they start to talk good about it, like I like, for example, Wired, uh, a lot of the tech blogs and and magazines or whatever, uh, they when they start talking about it, you know, now they're they're talking relatively positively about it. And it's like, wait a minute, you just told me two weeks ago that this is all for drug deals and assassinations. It's like, which which is it? And it well, just sometimes shows... they're trying to be fair and balanced. So they'll say something good about Bitcoin and then they'll say, but it's been attracting a lot of criticism because people buy drugs with it online. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You just the way they they push the headlines. I mean, it, you can just see that they're they're grabbing. They they have it's clickbait. That's all they're doing. Well, and they're just going yeah, and they're going with the crowd. They're not even it's funny because they're not even setting the tone anymore. Now they just they realize they have to go with the crowd, which is good. If the mainstream media is no longer setting the narrative, awesome. That's great news. So but, but they don't realize that they're no longer setting the narrative. <laughs> they I think, think they, they're still in charge. At least Newsweek smart, does. No, yeah, Newsweek doesn't. They're know, just but, in denial, delusional denial. Right. <laughs> Some of the smarter media though, I think, is beginning to realize they don't set the tone anymore. And so they need to appeal to like TechCrunch. TechCrunch has almost become a libertarian blog, I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and that's and, out of nowhere. Yeah, and I mean other mainstream uh, outlets are admitting it passively too because they're just pulling their content from reddit and twitter yeah 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 so (laughs) So whether they say it outright or not they're they're admitting it through their actions right which is great again because i think that shows that that people are starting to set their own narratives yeah well i'm happy about that but uh the dinosaurs are still kind of kicking around and they're saying stuff and uh so this week okay the c this is this is great the ceo of western union claimed that bitcoin was too first world and it's not ready for global use and it's bad for cross-border transactions. <laughs> I mean, this is just like the, the this is like Newspeak, you know, from yeah. 1984. Like Bitcoin is ideal for cross-border transactions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, you know, maybe he has some uh, concerns because uh, let's face it, uh, it's a threat to his business. Right, right. right. Um, but I mean, this is just poppycock. And then, of course, uh, we also had Goldman Sachs came out and made a statement about Bitcoin saying that it's not a currency and it doesn't do anything to improve upon gold. 
That's ridiculous. In fact, you know what? To to show you that it improves upon gold, uh, I gave a talk at the Texas Bitcoin Conference. Oh, I loved your talk. You can go to SovereignTech.com and the latest special that both you and I hosted, Mm -hmm. um, my talk is included in there and that answers all the gold bug questions pretty much that's s-o-v-r-y-n tech.com exactly yeah Yeah. i mean and you know real quick with western union it's so ironic because this is actually the first and only currency that actually crosses borders with absolute ease uh exactly i I mean like you said it's double speak it's new speak it's uh yeah they're gonna struggle and um hem and haw about it uh before they are eventually forced to adopt it that's what i think i mean this is just the the dying cries of a sick dinosaur, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's like Jason King said, he's, he said that, you know, you got a, you got a homeless man in Florida and you live in South Africa. You want to help the man in Florida? Bingo. Bitcoin, you know, instantaneous, you know, the Bitcoin gets to him and he's helping him. Yeah. It, nonsense. And apply that not just to Florida, but to, um, you know, Kenya, Africa, anywhere, some, somewhere else, you know, in the world, Siberia, <laughs> you can yeah. send Bitcoin anywhere in the world. Yeah. I mean, and this is important too, you know, a lot of the third world, quote unquote, is already doing electronic payments. It yeah. is. And actually, this is funny because I'm glad you brought this up. I have an article. We didn't plan this, I swear. Uh, <laughs> I have an article here about um, Bitcoin in Africa. And what they're saying here basically is that the biggest hurdle is regulation. It's not a hurdle to get it over there. Like, it's not a hurdle to send Bitcoins to Africa. No problem. People have dumb phones. You can use Bitcoin with SMS. There's 37 coins. There's all there's BTC2 SMS. There's right. Coinapult. There's all kinds of ways to use Bitcoin with um, just SMS capable phones. The problem is regulation. And it's laughable. I mean, in Africa, a place where there are so many people that are living in poverty, Get these people some Bitcoins and there are government bureaucrats standing in the way and they're the only thing that are standing in the way. Satoshi did something wonderful. He gave the world a great gift or she or they, whatever. I I have to say that every time as a disclaimer, but Satoshi gave the world a great gift, something that can do borderless payments. And what is standing in the way? Governments. Absolutely. Satoshi couldn't topple the governments yet. Maybe yet. maybe that's coming. It's, but yeah, I think it's going to happen. Oh man, that just really burns me up because there's just there there are these people like sitting there. Look look, we need help. We're hungry. We want to start businesses. We want to have control of our lives. We don't have bank accounts. We don't have credit. We don't have access to loans. Help us! But the governments are saying no. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's so sad. And you know, Western Union, of course. Let's not forget, if you send a $100 payment, I mean, global remittances are a giant issue. I, the actual, the, the guy from Goldman Sachs actually had, had a quote saying that um, uh, Bitcoin could eliminate like something like $64 billion in global remittance fees or something like that, which I can believe it because that's, uh, you know, it's a lot of money. If you send a Western Union payment, first of all, you can't send a payment to certain countries from the U.S. Right. Uh, via PayPal because PayPal doesn't serve, especially countries that have political reasons like Egypt, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, so forth. You can't even send PayPal payments uh, from there, from here to there. Right. And we are, of course, doing this show from the U.S., of course, so just don't want to be U.S. centric, but that's just what we know. Yeah, I and, think, go ahead. And if you go to Western Union, okay, if you send a $100 payment, they're going to take a fee of between 8 
to $17, depending on how fast you want to send it. And, and of course, it's going to take a couple days. You probably, if you're picking up the money, you're probably going to have to walk somewhere and carry cash with you, which, you know, that's not exactly safe. Um, that was a great point that's brought up is, you know, sometimes it's not really safe to go to these places and pick up the money and be carrying it around. Yeah, what happens that, after you leave? Exactly. And that's it. And a lot of people will say, look, that charge is worth it, that Western Union charges, because some of the Western Union uh, workers are putting their lives on the line to even have that money available to get it to people in some of these disparate countries. And mm, it's like, does the fee go to them or right. does the fee go to right. Western I mean, Union it, corporate? <laughs> exactly. But even that point aside, well, guess what? Now we don't have to put anybody's life on the line because there's no amount of money that you can put on the head of a person. I mean, exactly. you know, for their worth, you just you can't do it. So good. Now we have Bitcoin. We have blockchain technology that can set the whole thing free. We don't have to put anybody else's life on the line anymore. So Hallelujah. stop. It's yeah. an innovation in human safety. <laughs> exactly. So just stop saying it's like, oh, they need the money. No, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. It's really patently ridiculous. <laughs> Do you want to hear some more of what uh, the, the Goldman Sachs CEO said? I'd love to hear it. Uh, was it the CEO? Let's see. I haven't. I read this article a couple days ago. Uh, it, it just says Goldman Sachs analyst. So I, yeah, I don't the, know. The corporate exactly shoggle. That's yeah. true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, when asked about bi- whether Bitcoin solves an economic problem that currently exists with gold, Uh, This guy Curry said, no, gold is not failing as a store of value, as wood failed as the sources of energy in steam engines. Steam locomotives could go faster and farther on coal, but Bitcoin does not improve on gold. I don't know where he got the whole train thing from. But anyway, that's what he said. Uh, gold is fine. <laughs> Nothing to see here. The gold is fine. And oh, by the way, you know, gold, we can keep it in our vaults and uh, lend it out on a fractional reserve basis. We don't have to actually give you your gold when you want to take it out of the bank. Yeah, the, the whole the gold system is, is is much reliant upon, you know, the modern world that we live in, be it, you know, the Internet, whatever, electricity, all that stuff as as anything else. I mean, just no one. You know, nobody knows what gold's really worth. I mean, there's those videos online where people walk around uh, and they like they, you know, they'll hand a person an ounce of gold and they're like, well, how much do you think this is worth? And they'll say like, oh, it's like 50 bucks, (laughs) you know, or like, how much does this piece of gold weigh? I mean, like, come on. It's. Yeah. And not only that, but uh, he talks about gold as a store of value. Okay, gold has a long history. I'll grant him that. Sure. But there's no guarantee that gold is going to continue to be valued by humans in the future. Right. It's not a, a store of value. I mean, what's backing that up? Nothing. Right? No, no, nothing. nothing. Except it's a faith-based approach to money. Sure. This is the, I, just as Ranveer calls this the religious approach to money, because it's based <laughs> on faith. Yeah, That's absolutely. what it is. There's no evidence to back up the fact that, okay, gold is going to be, I mean, except at the historical track record, but there's no guarantee that in the future it's going to continue to be valuable. Yeah, and that historical track record's a lie. So you think it's a lie? For for gold? Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, the reasons that people use to justify it, they'll say, oh, it's yeah. used in electronics, but there were no electronics back then. Yeah. It's and, conveniently left right, out. Right. And of course, you know, a thousand oh, yeah, years where it wasn't that. accepted, uh, you know, or it wasn't the standard that everybody talks about. There's so oh, many Oh, you things. said silver was in much more common use in like... For the, about a thousand years from mm. the fall of the Roman Empire to the Florentine Renaissance. It was, you know, gold was not the name of the game mm. at the time. Uh, so I just... 
crazy. Yeah, I think we have to be willing to open our minds to the possibility that, you know, <laughs> things change, right? Yeah. We're living in a fast-paced world. Gold may not be a, a so-called store of value forever. It may not be valued by humans. And the only thing that matters is uh, what value humans assign to something. There's Absolutely. no intrinsic property of that thing that makes it valuable. You have to value it for it to have value. Subjective value for life. All right, this is Sex and Science Hour, and there's more coming up. Stay tuned. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and we are so excited. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? Well, you'll have to listen to Let's Talk Bitcoin to find out. It's a twice-weekly podcast, and you can find it at letstalkbitcoin.com. Okay, I gotta know. Yeah, you really should probably get on that. It has a whole network? Yeah, we're part of it. How did I not know about this? You must have missed the memo that we were on their network. Anyway, now back to Sex and Science Hour. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we love EasyDNS. They let you register domains, handle security for your website, email addresses... Pretty much anything related to DNS or domain names, they can do it. They have a friendly staff of actual human beings, so if you need customer support, they will always be there for you. Plus, they are outspoken advocates for your internet freedom. And they take Bitcoin, of course. They now have fully managed WordPress and web hosting, too, so you can do everything you need related to your website from EasyDNS. Take a look at their website at EasyDNS.com. We think you'll like what you see. Trust EasyDNS.com for your DNS and web hosting needs. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. I'm Stephanie. You're Brian. Of Hello. Course. Hello. Hello, Brian. We meet again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you know that if you are a sex worker living in Arizona, which is in the U.S., this crazy messed up country that we live in, uh, I take no responsibility for what these people do, by the way, just because I happen to live in the same landmass. But uh, anyway, if, did you know that if you're a sex worker in Arizona, you may be uh, forced to go to church? Wait, yeah, what? Yeah, you may be forced to go to church. So what's been happening, and this is from Raw's story, uh, <laughs> police in Arizona have been rounding up sex workers and bringing them in handcuffs to a Phoenix area church to meet with investigators and choose between a diversion program or possible jail time. Wait, does it say what kind of church? Like what, what denomination? What faith? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, no, sure, it, surely Christian, but what? Yeah, no. Uh, oh, it, okay. So it is the Bethany Bible Church. So, so I don't know what kind of church that would be. It's probably non-denominational or it's one of those, you know, Bible-believing Christians. It's a Bible, yes. You know what I mean? It, uh, you know, the, the irony here is that actually um, in the porn industry, okay, which, you know, is arguably, if you want to use the word sex workers, is sex workers with a camera. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Yeah, you know, and I'm not insulting them in any way. Uh, no, that's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, in, in the U.S., um, prostitution is illegal. However, um, acting in a porn film is not. So, right. I mean, there's yeah. not, the camera is pretty much the differentiating factor there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in no judgment, I have family that's in the industry, you know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Rather famous family. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not judging at all. Uh, but 
it's interesting because in the porn industry, a lot of the workers are Catholic. Hmm. And they regularly go to church on Sundays. Wow! And they, you know they 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 pay you know tithes. They do mass. The whole business. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's ironic. I don't know what in, people in Arizona think. Uh, you know that 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 people that you know. Well, they're actually being forced to pay for this, Brian. This is crazy. So the taxpayers are picking up the cost of the program. This article says, which is about fifteen hundred dollars per day to the Bethany Bible Church. <laughs> during two-day raids every six months. Oh, okay. So it's not, I mean, it's not a huge cost, I guess, $3,000 every six months, so $6,000 a year. But still, I mean, the principle of it is that this is tax money that's being given to a church to enforce moral value, someone else's more, you know, idea of mor- moral values so, or morality police, right? So what does this say? What is the purpose of jail? Is the purpose of jail to... Well, that, that's the thing. They're not actually in jail. The sex workers, uh, says this article, are not the... officially arrested. They are, quote, lawfully detained in windowless church rooms without a lawyer. Who the <laughs> hell do these people think they are? And then they're given a choice of whether they want to repent for their sins or whether they want to go to jail. Uh, they are required to attend educational and support groups as part of the diversion program. Uh, critics say the program does not consider that some sex workers are not victims in need of rescue, but consenting adults who chose their line of work. Yeah, ever think of that? <laughs> right? Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right. So this is Christian, obviously. Yes. Does nobody remember the story of Mary Magdalene? You know, when, when, they, were ready, not. when they were ready to throw the stones at, at this prostitute, okay, mm-hmm. Jesus says, all right, yeah, whoever, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. This is not a punishable crime by Christianity standards. There's no repenting to be done. Oh, do you think those cops are without sin, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Even exactly. by their own standards, this is not something to go to church for. What? I mean, yeah, even if you even if you agree with the concept that um, you would like to somehow use the government, the force of government to stop prostitution, you have to admit that this is just blatantly unconstitutional oh, i mean yeah. like detaining people without lawyers in a windowless room and saying okay you can either go to this church program or you can go to jail little missy wow. i mean what what the hell and doing it in a religious institution yeah you know it's so funny because this is what you know a lot of uh i'll, I'll say irreligious people you mm-hmm. know are worried about it's like well we're you know the christians are trying to take over and they're like forcing their faith upon people and then the christians say oh no no you're forcing your disbelief on us no, no. they're being oppressed brian no, yeah you know? sorry i don't know any cops taking people to uh you know to to the to the local science museum okay that's <laughs> <laughs> no. ridiculous but yeah. instead people are getting forced to go to church between church and jail what does that say about church you know, like like if you're going to compare that to jail, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Like, and, oh, so this is the prison of God, right? And I mean, that also brings. Up, I mean, it's a ridiculous concept that someone in handcuffs who's being forcibly, coercibly led into a windowless bunker in a church, <laughs> uh, like, is that going to be a sincere repentance? You know, yeah, right. They're they're under coercion. They're under duress. Of course, they're going to say anything to get out of there, and they're being denied access to attorneys. I mean, like, and then they say later, like, oh, I was coerced into this uh, program. 
I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. They're they're coercing these people to protect them from coercion. What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, you're being coerced as a sex worker, so I'm going to coerce you into going to church. I mean, what the hell is that? <laughs> what a messed up, crazy world we live in, Brian. Oh, I, I would, you. you know, I would be willing to bet, even if there are Christians out there listening, I. I bet a lot of them disagree with this. Oh, you I can't think... make somebody be sorry for what they've done or you can't rescue somebody who doesn't want to be rescued. Right. Yeah. I, I have, you know, acquaintances and, and friends, you know, that are Christian and I think they would think this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, th- this is just I, I don't know what's going on here, but what an ugly mixture of church and state. Oh, you yeah. Know, I mean, ugly. Ugly, yeah. We need a separation uh, between church and state, bank and state. Well, we I need just get rid of the state. How about that? Yeah, get rid of the state. And, <laughs> I like know. that. Um, anyway, Brian, yeah that that was just. There's not much more to say about that, but I was just astounded at that article. That's well, mind-boggling. Mm. And uh, now we're going to uh, a, a happier story, a technological innovation. Have you ever tried these reading apps? I guess there are like plugins for certain browsers and there are apps that you can download to your phone that make it like insanely easy to read fast. And you can set the speed. And what they do is they take each word and they kind of flash it on the screen with a a, like one of the letters in the middle of the word that is your human eyes kind of focal point for reading the word. Okay. Um, They put that letter in red and then they kind of line it up with like little lines so it like focuses your eye it's almost like a treadmill for your brain and for your eyes <laughs> that kind of like for almost forces you to read uh very quickly and you can set it at 350 words per minute 500 words per minute what? that's a lot you- and you can apparently comprehend it better because this thing knows what your eye is going to need in order to understand what word that is and send the signal to your brain well this is interesting uh I know that I, I think it was in Lifehacker maybe last week where they were talking about that some of these speed reading apps, like the comprehension goes out the door pretty fast. Oh, does it? Okay. Uh, so they're just, so you're just kind of looking at the words, but you're not, you're passive. Yeah. You're not really taking it. them in. And, and I kind of, I wonder about that because I know like one of the, one of the original tricks for speed reading. Okay. And, and I can do this. Um, and it, it's, you, you turn off your inner voice. Mm-hmm. Okay. But oh, because it takes longer to speak the words than to read then, them. Then mm-hmm. your eyes can actually read them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and I don't think I'm, I'm stupid, uh, but, you know, when I do that and I get going really fast, mm-hmm. uh, I, I run into, yeah, where I don't even remember half of what I've read. Uh, like yeah i mean, I, I remember so many times during college like reading these biochemistry textbooks because mm-hmm. that's what i studied in college is biochemistry and you know like sometimes i was tuned into it but sometimes like my eyes were moving across the page and the words were registering but i wasn't actually comprehending it you right. know what i mean it was just like reading and i was like oh i have to read this chapter i don't really want to so okay i'll skim the page but it, it wasn't registering and so i wonder how good these uh apps are at actually getting you to comprehend what's on the page well yeah i think it could be useful for like reading blogs and you know on, and reading on the internet because it's all very fast and usually it's just kind of to keep you up to date. I mean, it seems useful because there's just so much information that it's really hard to like make time to integrate all of that into your day. At least for me, it is. Sure. I could see that. But with books, with full on books, I think 
to not want to really like there's there's kind of rules for reading. I mean, they're not, you know, rules can be broken, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, you want to chew yeah. essentially what you read. You right. want, if you you're want reading to mull a it poem, around. you don't want to do 500 words no, per minute, right? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, when it's something like really, when it's a big topic, you don't just want to breeze through it, okay? Mm-hmm. You want to really, really let your brain... And I think your inner voice is actually a good thing in that case, uh, because then you're almost getting an audio and visual uh, right. You know, receivership yeah. of, of the information. That's what I wanted to talk about with this. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's like, does this actually diminish the joy of reading? Yeah, I, I think it may. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, reading is a joy. You know, I recognize that it that, is a joy that's been it, it kind of gets robbed from us when we're yes. forced to read crap that we don't want to read in school. <laughs> I was just going to say that I recognize that in, in school you, you get force fed, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times crap, uh, you know, to read. <laughs> so but reading still is a joy. Uh, it's also a great way to help you fall asleep. Mm. You know, I mean, and that's okay. You know, a lot of people say, well, when I start reading, I get tired. Well, good. Then if you have trouble sleeping, break out a book. You You like to complain that nobody reads. I mean, that was actually a little story about Brian and I. So we are a couple, (laughs) if you didn't know that. Uh, And when we first met each other, like our first conversation, Brian walks up to me and he goes, you know, nobody reads. <laughs> yeah, in the specific geographic area we we were in, uh-huh. I was just like, it's like, does anybody read? And yeah, I, I read, and we talked about it. But oh, did we? Yeah, and do we still? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a fair criticism. It's like people have a shorter attention span. It seems like there's it. more content to read, and so do people just give up? Well, you know, and this is the thing with this is if I can talk about this quick. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting topic in that. In books versus blogs, you know, or books versus the internet, and that, and I'm not saying, e- you know, this can. When I say books, that can, can include eBooks, but there seems to be like information comes out so fast, and people just readily take it in and take it in, and there's no confirmation that what is being said is legit. There's generally not even a bibliography because especially with blogs, they're opinion yeah. pieces, and that's not a bad thing. That you know, there's merit to that, but when you have a book. A book is written over years, or at least a year, uh, and you know there's so much data gathering going on. There's you so much time for back... even the writer to put it together and to think it through. Yeah, you can't go back and edit a book, so people want to make sure it's correct once you know one printing and that's it, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you're getting a very solid piece of information with the book. It's where the stuff online sometimes. I don't know. Do you think people are just too credulous though? Are they just believing anything they read? Maybe. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's what they want to believe. This is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Is it okay to date a friend's sister? Sex and Science Hour is looking for sponsors. We do our best to do an entertaining show that is heard by thousands of people each week. Do you have a project, business, product, or service that could match our audience's interests? Let us know. Contact Brian at letstalkbitcoin.com to find out more. That's Brian with an I at letstalkbitcoin.com. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we really appreciate your support. We've received tips from listeners, not just in Bitcoin, but with other altcoins. Those are always listed in our show notes in case you want to send us a tip, which we thank you for very, very much. If you don't have Bitcoins, altcoins, or you just want to send us a tip in a way that's free to you, 
All you have to do is click on something, then you can help us out. Simply do your normal shopping on Amazon through our Amazon affiliate links. Those are listed in our show notes, and we've got Amazon US, UK, and Canada for you. Thank you so much for all your support. And now back to the show. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. So, Brian, I teased this a minute ago, but I received an email from a listener, which I kind of wanted to fit in the last segment, but that's okay. (laughs) We don't have to fit everything in. We'll take our time and savor our show. But I got an email from a listener. Is it okay to date a friend's sister? What do you think about this? Oh, boy. Um, I think there's some issue with the question. What do you think? This is So this is from a guy, a straight guy. Who wants to? Who has a, a male friend and wants to date his friend's sister? Uh, and I, I mean, does the sister want to date him? Like that is nowhere in the question. <laughs> in oh, the indication yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, she sure. would like to sure. continue this to have this relationship with him. Yeah, I know? wasn't sure if this was like an abbreviated form, so I didn't catch that final. No, point. that was pretty much it. Like okay. that was the pretty much the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, like it, it almost has a little bit of a flavor of appealing to the friend as though he owns his sister like the your brother has no control if you're a woman your brother has no control over like who you can date acceptably you know what i mean (laughs) yeah it's yeah there's kind of like this this whole family like ownership sort of mentality maybe going on yeah it's almost like you know like when um when guys will ask a woman to marry them but they'll ask her dad for permission. What the hell is that? <laughs> your, does your dad own your sexuality? That is a weird well, thing. I agree. I agree. It's all it's this whole, I find that incredibly creepy. Yeah, it's this whole bros before hoes mentality which uh, <laughs> I find incredibly insulting to both genders. Uh It, but, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, maybe the maybe the guy friend doesn't care. Yeah. You know, maybe he's like, "Well, my sister owns herself. She's an individual so she can date whoever she wants (laughs) right but i mean like the whole thing with the you know with with the dad with with asking the the dad you know admittedly there's a lot of women out there who have been force-fed have had this like you know i don't know princess mentality and i don't mean princess in a negative way Mm -hmm. or i mean in you know yeah, this it's this traditional it's, chivalrous yeah, thing, yeah. and you're supposed to do that, and, and it's and like that's they the get right fed, thing to do. Right, they get fed that that's very romantic, where it's oh. like, shouldn't it be more romantic that you're choosing for your damn self? You, you know what <laughs> yes, I mean? Like, isn't exactly. that? And in fact, as a guy, I find that sexy when a woman is like, you know, no, it's my call, yeah. my choice. Uh, yeah, you, I you don't know, need I love to that. ask my dad permission for who I have a relationship with a right. sexual relationship with <laughs> right but this you know this raises a great question in that or like you said uh you know there's no there's no asking does is does the sister want to go out yeah you know this it's almost is, taken for granted <laughs> this is something i'd love to be become more popular is to where the woman asks a guy out you mm. know and in fact i mean i've never i i can't really recall myself where i've ever been in the situation where i asked a, a girl out like generally, a woman will they say, come to you. "Yeah, you know." And I'm not. This well, isn't that's a, a great place to be. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's not a boast by any means. I'm just saying that I, you know, that's that's what happens. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I have to say, I, I I'm kind of um, 
a person who bucks traditional gender roles anyway. Uh, but, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I like someone, I will I will go after them. And indeed you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, guys and girls, you know, because yeah. I, I like both. And, you know, I'm pretty much always the one who says, hey, I'm interested in you and makes it explicit because I don't, life's too short for somebody to wait around for somebody to come to you and, hey, you know, like to just be carrying around these feelings for someone and not tell them, no, I want to be honest about it. Right. So why not just, okay, let's start the conversation, right? Right. Absolutely. And I mean, and in me not asking, you know, it's kind of not asking a woman. Mm -hmm. It's a way for me to know, you know, that, hey, yeah, this, this woman, I'm not like forcing you know, myself upon anyone. Yeah, then you have you confirmation know. that she is totally okay when she's interested in you. Right. Not I mean forcing, but I mean, I'm not like intimidating, you know, myself. I mean, yes. I'm a big guy and I'm not like intimidating my, you know, myself onto someone else. Yeah, I think everybody worries about that, whether they're doing something that's unwanted. And if they don't worry about it, then they're, you know, that's a problem right. too. But <laughs> Right. Because, I mean, society really does push on women that they, they need to say yes. To pretty much everything. Yeah, and that some women have a really hard time saying no because they're told that they're they're not supposed to. They're supposed to be people pleasers exactly. and ma- make sure nobody's feelings are hurt and yeah, that and, kind of thing. Right. And anything I can do to eliminate that dichotomy, mm. I want I want to do. And yeah. So that's one of the ways I do it. So, so know, what about this question? I mean, getting back to the question, sure. is it okay to date a friend's sister? I mean, perhaps a, a conversation about it might be in order. Hey, bro. <laughs> hey, dude. Um, you know, I know I've been hanging out with Jenny, quite a, your sister, quite a bit, and I think we like each other and we've talked about it and I want to make sure that we stay friends. So I just wanted to let you know about it and see if you had any, um, thoughts about it. Right. Yeah. I think if it's a friend, it's, it's good to talk to a friend about it because, you know, you want to, you want to, I've seen cases certainly where, uh, a guy, a friend goes out with a guy's sister mm-hmm. and then their friendship collapses and he just sends up every time he comes over to the house, he just spends all the time with the sister. Yeah. And know? what's, what's their relationship like between the brother and sister? You know, do they, are they friends with each other? Do they have a good relationship or do right. they hate each other? I mean, <laughs> right. So it's just, it's good overall to just put it all out on the table. Yeah. What, what you as the asker or what you as the 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 interested party uh, expects out of all these relationships. Yeah, I mean, doing it in secret, right? Like, that could be a problem yeah. if you're hiding something from... Because the brother's going to find out, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, he's yeah. one of these weird... Like, if he's one of these guys that has this mentality of like, oh, I'm going to shoot anybody who dates my <laughs> sister, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that could be a real problem if it's a secret and then it's found out and you're not yeah. being honest with your friend. That's an honesty issue in the friendship, right? So Yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's important for, you know, and, and frankly, even if the brother said, you know, I'm not okay with this, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't, that's not a no. Right. That's just a, I'm concerned perhaps that if you break up, that'll affect our friendship. Or if, there, if right. you break up, some, I'll be forced to take sides and I'm feeling uncomfortable about that or something. Right. right. And you just have to accept, you know, uh, you know, the consequences of any of your actions. But that's important to talk about it and mm-hmm. to just lay out what you specifically as the interested party are expecting from both relationships. And, and then, you know, then you know where you stand in any situation. Then there's no right and wrong necessarily. It's just you know where you are. All right. Well, I 
I like how we talked about that. If you have any feedback, you can email us show at sex and science We love relationship questions. So yeah, we do. That, that was kind of my thing before I started doing this podcast. I was doing a relationship show. And uh, yeah, know, I love that show. I do enjoy relationship questions. But we yeah. got to talk about Litecoin. Because, well, re- real quick, I just want to mm-hmm. say that when, when you do ask relationship questions, admittedly, we are not the conventional like thinkers on relationships. <laughs> so, you know, I think expect people, different answers. I think people do expect it. You know, when they send it, email to us they i think they have some idea of what they're going to get so (laughs) (laughs) anyway litecoin brian have you seen litecoin it's rallying again i've noticed i you know i heard about this and apparently there's some chinese exchange that announced that they're going to put litecoin on the exchange and that's kind of a big deal because it will be a big um place where you can exchange litecoin with uh, fiat and bitcoin right right um but it kind of brings up a question there's been there's been this just explosion of altcoins recently, you know, uh, yes. copy, not copies, but um, derivatives or not financial derivatives, but spinoffs of Bitcoin, right. uh, which Bitcoin started at all. But these are kind of things that are similar to Bitcoin that do, for the large part, similar things. Some of them have different innovations that they've introduced. Sure. Some of them do quite different things. Um, but by and large, a lot of them are not very different than Bitcoin. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I want to. I'm. I'm going to say ninety percent, maybe even higher than that, of the altcoins, as they're called, mm-hmm. uh, are not really that different. I mean, like the feature set. That there's they, so many of them. Yeah. I, I remember when you could kind of tick them off on one hand, yeah. but now there's just so many of them, and it seems like if you are somebody who wants to be able to get into uh, creating an altcoin it's going to be really hard to carve out a niche for yourself. I oh, mean, yeah. unless, you know, like Doge, okay, they have great marketing. They've got a meme yeah, attached to it. That's marketing, marketing genius, I would yeah, say. that's not a feature set. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really, I know Doge is a script coin, kind of like Litecoin, and they've tinkered I with the amount Doge of coins. Script. It is, yeah. Oh, okay. It's script. All and right. then they've, uh, I, I just, I don't believe anything I hear about Doge. I have no idea. Any Anytime something... Like any fact that gets told to me, I'm just, all I can hear in my head is to the moon and I don't know what's real. <laughs> or like someone's like, I'm a Dogecoin millionaire. And It is a very playful community. And yeah. we, we've got, a, we've got an email about that, that we may talk about at some point. Yeah. Uh, but no offense to the Dogecoin. Community. No, we love, we yeah. love you. And I have Doge. Yes. And thank you for be for doing what you do. It's really genius marketing, I have yes, to say. And I it's concur. cute. I love the doge. I think it's cute. Not with you on that, but I concur <laughs> that it's genius marketing. <laughs> but anyway, so there's all these altcoins. And I mean, yeah, you could make the argument. You can make the argument. Some people hate altcoins, okay? Yes. Some people write articles about how the demise of altcoins and right. how you can help accelerate it. And <laughs> you know, why they're just crap. And I think they're important. You know, I think they have got something to offer, of course. I mean, each one is an experiment uh, and a testing ground for features that can't really be tested in Bitcoin because you just can't change the Bitcoin network and you can't like do all these things. And Well, well you, you can, but yeah, you may not want to. Like Litecoin is a good example of this as to where the dev teams actually talk to each other. Yeah, they uh, the the Litecoin devs are also Bitcoin devs, right? So there there's a lot of collaboration going on there, which I think is really cool. And I mean, altcoins aren't just useful as a sandbox for experimenting with new features, right? You know, perhaps they'll figure out that some of them can do things that Bitcoin can't do, or and just will probably or never do. do. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, like Turing completeness, mm -hmm. there's two altcoins, quote unquote altcoins. They should be called plat crypto platforms. Yeah, really. that's getting into the realm of like the 2.0 kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, um, but, but yeah, I guess it might be fair to say that they are sort of like altcoins and they can definitely do like so you said, much more Turing completeness, so much more than Bitcoin can can do and will probably ever do. Right. Um, by design, by, by the security design of Bitcoin. This mm -hmm. isn't necessarily a flaw with Bitcoin. Yeah. It's just that. That's how it's designed. So, right. You know, but, you know, I, I read uh, an article not in January mm. that said that 2014 could be the year of Litecoin. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say the things that altcoins uh, can do and the properties of different altcoins or just their maybe their market advantage, like Litecoin has pretty much for a long time, been the number two, the silver to Bitcoin's yeah. gold, right? And there are reasons that it stays in that place. Um, but like the the good altcoins and the altcoins that offer something are going to be rewarded by the market. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's true. But there are some people who just say, well, all the altcoins, they're only driven by speculation that um, Bitcoin is too expensive. And so you, you know, in order to get in early, like I missed the boat on Bitcoin. Oh, I better get some Litecoins, you know, that mentality. I think there's plenty of people that do that, but mm -hmm. that's incredibly unfair to some of these altcoins. Uh, yeah, you take that's not all that's going on. No, no, no. You take something like Litecoin, like I, I kind of get it. I'm, I'm of two minds on this because I understand where like with Bitcoin, you don't want to implement new features too quickly. Mm -hmm. I think they can be implemented a hell of a lot quicker. Okay. But you don't want to implement them too quickly. Uh, so you can use Litecoin as a beta uh, you know, essentially as a beta Bitcoin blockchain. Bitcoin is beta too. Yeah, but... Bitcoin's still in beta, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can use Litecoin for that to try out new features and let them fail on a market that's not as big as Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. That gives Litecoin legitimacy and purpose and value. Okay, and that's okay mm -hmm. uh, for it to be that. Or Litecoin, or could be like something like Next. You know, you can do things on Next. They they've got a distributed exchange messaging system. They're you know the brain uh, wallet feature. There's all kinds of things about it that just you know they're different. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do you stuff with it, right? And, and with, if people find value in it, then it'll become more valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Next is is a kind of a unique case. There's there's not you know there's nothing it seems that Next can't do. And this is one of the rare ones that is absolutely not based on. On Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It is a That's totally different language. I mean, the concept, the idea is based sort it's of on It's blockchain Bitcoin. technology, sure. Yeah. But, but other than that, they, they don't have a whole lot in common. Now, I saw an interesting metric of uh, which altcoins might be a good investment. And of course, we're not giving investment advice, yada, yada, disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> but this was an article from CryptoSource, and they said that um, they calculated the daily maintenance cost of different altcoins. And so basically what they're saying is it's the amount of money needed per day to keep the coin at its current value. So I don't know if that means like, like maintaining the network or like yeah. the trade volume or, or whatever. So they say um, it, if, if a certain coin, it, coin is worth X dollars, you would need at least Y amount of dollars per day to be invested in the coin to keep it at that price. How is it calculated? You simply take the total amount of new coins that will be generated per day, multiply it by the current value of the coin. So $10,000 worth of new coins are minted every day. Theoretically, if they were all sold, people would need to purchase $10,000 worth at the current price to keep the value the same. And that's interesting. That doesn't really take into account the costs of securing the network and doing all the mining yeah. and stuff. But it's interesting. So what they say 
are the good buys, according to that metric, are uh, ZetaCoin and DevCoin, <laughs> which that's, you know, low cost of securing the network, FrancoCoin, DigitalCoin, and Cryptogenic Bullion. And coins to avoid, their top one is Doge because their daily maintenance cost is like a million dollars. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> there has to be a million dollars being pumped into Doge every day yeah, to keep I mean, it afloat, which, uh, you know, maybe there is. You know, now there are Doge ATMs, like it's getting more popular. Perhaps there is that maybe. amount of capital flowing in. Maybe. But they believe that these coins are surviving off of hype. Wow. Well, you, you know, Litecoin, I, I don't say is surviving off a of hype. I think it, it's it, the better metric to look at is, and I've said this before, is the feature set and, and infrastructure. You got to mm-hmm. have one of those two. And mm-hmm. if you, you know, as long as you have one of those, you can make it. People will keep putting the money in, I guess. People have, re, you know, exploited a lot of creative solutions to getting altcoins to rise to popularity. Sure. You know, there's um, there's infrastructure, like you said. There are fe- unique features. Right. Uh, there are kind of uh, market positions and and just marketing in general. Yeah. So there and there and there are like building something completely new and adding completely extra features. There's yeah. all kinds of ways to get an altcoin yeah. popular. I, well, I think those two are still kind of the deal. Like you take something like Aurora Coin, mm-hmm. which is really no different from Litecoin. Um, and it's based on it, you know, it's a script as far as, as far as I understand it and that, but that has an infrastructure of an entire country, right? Like that's the point, you know? Yeah, fine. It doesn't have a unique feature set per se, other than, you know, the, the idea behind it Mm. of this is supposed to set uh, a country's economy free, that being Iceland, but you know, that that's its infrastructure. It has the entire country of Iceland. (laughs) <laughs> theoretically uh you take name in a stateless way yeah, uh, yeah. you know i, I think we got to move on because we're actually short right, on time but um speaking of investing there is an interesting scientific study that i wanted to bring up oh boy so there was a group of people a group of researchers who um they basically took an investment pitch okay to like venture capitalists okay and they they showed the same exact pitch um to investors given by different people. So the only thing that was different was the person giving the pitch. And they what they found was that men were more likely to get funded than women, even if they were giving the same pitch. And good-looking men were more likely to get funded than ugly men. I, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of truth to this. Yeah. Uh, and I can say from personal experience. In fact, like, a lot so of are times, all the VCs just gay? Or are they looking no. at the kind of, just kidding. I don't know. There, 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 yeah. There's the, there's, there is the intimidation factor mm-hmm. of like a tall man. Mm-hmm. In fact, in, in sales and marketing and all that, they want the big, good looking guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that just, that, that just makes sense. That's backed up by other studies right. too, that taller people make more money and, right. and good looking people make more money. Yeah. And there's something to the authoritative voice, whether it's intentionally authoritative or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a deep voice that's yeah. clear and enunciates and stuff. Yep. And yeah. it's, and it can sound kind of commanding. Yeah. And so, I mean, these are little tricks that, that sure, certainly. And uh, it's, it's so interesting because it's so hard it can be really hard to recognize one's own biases. I have biases, you know, even though I tried not to, I do. You right. know, everybody does. They're just not being honest if they say that they don't, right? Right. We are not completely objective machines. We all have our personal biases. So oh, yeah. it's interesting to see studies like this that kind of um, show off what people's biases are just so we can be more aware of those, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's odd. I'm, I'm, 
I'm curious as to what the women looked looked like because I mean there, yeah. there's something to be said to where women could also deliver a pitch and depending on what she's wearing or mm. perhaps how frankly voluptuous she is yeah things of that nature can definitely you know be a huge selling point yeah uh, i'm curious about that too um i didn't really the study didn't really um say much about right. that um i'm sure looks influence women's fundability too yeah i uh, mean we, we live in a very conventional society so a lot of the tricks quote unquote that people would say have been around evolutionarily for mm. you know thousands upon thousands of years are still kind of working. Well, I wish they did. It's hard because so much of um, when when people are good looking mm-hmm. or when people are attractive, um, so much of that is indicators of health. You know, some of it anyway. Like yeah, right. The, so, like people who have better nutrition are taller, right, and they're more symmetrical, and um, perhaps it shows in their voice or like for women in their lips and stuff like that. But then you know, there's makeup, there's shoe lifts, there's all push up bras, there's all kinds of stuff that can. Um, change someone's appearance that has nothing to really do with their health or nutritional status. Yeah, well, I think there's two kinds of beauty out there. There's the beauty of symmetry, Mm -hmm. which is perhaps the natural beauty. Yeah. Uh, And then... And health, yeah. Right. Beauty of health. Well, one and the same, health Mm -hmm. and symmetry. Sorry, I I should have explained that a little better. Mm -hmm. But then there's the beauty that gets told to us by Hollywood. There's the beauty that gets told to us by the the media, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily symmetry and health. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they they can be very very different things because I mean you take something like Lady Gaga. Uh, oh yeah. I mean celebrities look totally different when they're not wearing makeup, right? It's yeah. Amazing. I mean there, there's like, like this a different person. Right. So you know you got to got to take those under consideration and both seem to have certain effects on your success. All right. Well. We are coming to the end of our show today here on Sex and Science Hour. Brian, thank you so much for doing the show with me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, it is. I love doing this show. (laughs) You can find us and subscribe at letstalkbitcoin.com and the Let's Talk Bitcoin SoundCloud feed. We'll be back at you next Thursday. Email us your comments, show at sexandsciencehour.com. And have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.